So we're very honored this year to have an alumna from our very own institution deliver the commencement address. Dr. Condessa Curley, a graduate of the class of 1996, is on the staff of the Eisner Pediatric and Family Medical Center in Los Angeles and at the Los Angeles County Public Health. In 2008, she was named California Physician of the Year and also received the Humanitarian Award from the UC Davis School of Medicine in recognition for her efforts to improve community health in underserved populations. Dr. Curley has said that her focus on community care got its start at UC Davis during her first year in medical school when she volunteered at Imani Clinic. The clinic is one of seven free clinics in Sacramento staffed by UC Davis students that provides primary care to uninsured patients. Those invaluable experiences as a student inspired her to volunteer in Africa in 1999, providing medical and humanitarian assistance to vulnerable populations in the western and southern regions. After earning her medical degree at UC Davis, Dr. Curley went on to UCLA to get a master's degree in public health. Her career has reflected her personal commitment to increase health literacy and reduce health disparities. In 2003, she joined the Eisner Pediatric and Family Health Center in Los Angeles as a staff physician. There, she started a chronic disease self-management program to help underserved populations with diabetes, hypertension, and dyslipidemia. In 2005, she co-founded Project Africa Global Incorporated, a nonprofit organization that provides medical and humanitarian services to Af African communities in need, including children in orphanages and refugee camps. Dr. Curley has also helped prepare medical students for work in cross-cultural settings by developing courses on global health at Pittsburgh and at the University of Southern California Keck School of Medicine, where she's assistant professor of clinical family medicine. In, 2000, in 2007, the California Medical Association honored Dr. Curley with the 2007 Robert D. Sparks MD Leadership Award. Last year, she also received a thank you letter from the ambassador of the Kingdom of Swaziland saying that, quote, the people of Swaziland shall always remember your contributions. I hope that you will come back to Swaziland again for many years to come, unquote. Well, folks, I'm proud to say that this distinguished physician has come back to pay us a visit at UC Davis. I am proud to present to you the 2009 keynote speaker, Dr. Condessa Curley. Thank you, Fernando, for that wonderful introduction. Good morning, Chancellor Vanderhoff, Dean Paul Morris, honored guests, members of the faculty, families, and friends, and you, the class of 2009. I am honored that I was selected to be a part of your day. Pardon me, I'm going to be talking to the students. <laughs> This event marks the culmination of a period in your lives of making long, lifelong friends, colleagues, and memories. It also marks a day of personal and professional gratification for you and well-deserved boasting pride for supportive parents, spouses, and significant others who have been immersed with you along your journey. For you, the graduates, this day is one of the five greatest milestones of your life. 
the others being birth, marriage, your first job, and the day you finally pay off your student loans. <laughs> Looking out over the podium, I am in awe of the tremendous promise you, the class of 2009, will offer to the world, to our world of uncertainty. Know that you carry much of the burden to shape the future of healthcare locally, nationally, and internationally with a consciousness that values all people as worthy world citizens. Now, you, the class of 2009, are about to enter the most exciting phase of your life. Many of you will influence how policy, health policy that will redefine current values and ethics as we know them today. Others will take on information systems and technology to an unprecedented level, changing the administration of healthcare and implementation of social services that may act as a template for other nations. Our incredibly small but complex world has great expectations for you, our future scientific, healthcare, and clinical leaders. You know, when I received this invitation to speak, I thought, wow, what a great honor. Thank you. I also thought, well, I need to get to know something about the students, the members of the class of 2009. And I wondered, what would I say to the graduating class? And how much has changed from the time I graduated? And then I finally wondered, now, where did my husband pack my hood cap and commencement memorabilia. I called Fernando and I asked him to supply me with the names and telephone numbers of five members of your class who he thought would best portray the class of 2009. He gave me his name, of course. <laughs> and the names of Albert Trong, Dan Sobel, Diana Lamb, Paula Weinstein, and Lenani Lee. During the course of my conversations with my future colleagues, we talked about how they came to choose UC Davis and the change that had, they had undergone since starting medical school. There was a physical change, moving from Davis to Sacramento during their second year, an intellectual change associated with the depth and breadth of the acquisition of scientific and clinical knowledge they gained we talked about what medical and surgical specialties they had chosen and why. As the conversations continued, the students alluded to moments of insight, inspiration, empowerment, and an awareness, a deeper way of listening to themselves that helped them to make their choices and changes as they continued on this journey. The students interviewed were varied in their experiences, but not surprisingly maintained specific elements as essential for change, which were learning, listening, loving, losing, and laboring in their desire to help others as they learned the art and the science of medicine. These were the same elements of change that I had become intimately aware of as I took a similar journey as a first-year medical student, resident, 
Assistant Professor of Clinical Family Medicine, Chief Medical Officer, President and Co-Founder of Project Africa Global, and my most important role as a family physician. Fernando and his colleagues challenged, as well as inspired me to think, what is it about the experience of change that equips us to help others? You know, I really struggled with this question, and after many weeks, I woke up one morning with what in my mind was a divine intervention, the answer. It's about never forgetting the change within. There are many things that inspire change within. Our experiences, a favorite author, such as Marion Wright Edelman, my personal favorite, the administrative staff here, the faculty at Davis, for me in particular, Dr. Faith Fitzgerald and Dr. Sarah Gray. Today, I would like to share with you three short stories that continue to be the source and inspiration for me in doing what I love, being a family physician, serving the underserved in the US and developing countries in Africa. Hence the title, Never Forgetting the Change Within. The first story is about love and loss. Well, my husband finally found my hood. It was tucked away in an old UCD bookstore bag. As I opened the bag, a copy of a letter written by my mom fell out of my graduation class's medical school invitation. I'm going to read you a little bit of that letter. It read, I know what you are doing, and I know you will, you will do fine on your board's part one. I'm so proud of you. I'm doing the best that I can. Will you be able to come home soon? You see, mom was not my, mo my biological mother. She was my foster parent. She was never able to go to school, but she always, through her actions and deed, deeds, instilled in me the power of an education and an obligation to give back to my community. She believed that my priority should be getting a solid medical education, as this would, would help me to improve the lives of the people in my community. She was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at the beginning of my second year of medical school and did her very best to put on a good face as not to worry me. I called her the same evening I received this letter. She was cheery, giving me the latest news of the neighborhood. And then she asked, when would I get a chance to come home? I told her that the boards were in two weeks and I would be there as soon as they were completed. Her last words to me were, I am so proud of you, but do you have to wait that long? We buried her one week later. You each will have your own stories, personal and professional, that will test your conviction and challenge you to your very core. Those weeks after her death, I was riddled with guilt. I had listened to her words, but not heard what she was saying. Never forget the change within. The second story is about labor and loss. Raleigh Fitkin is a 200-bed hospital in Swaziland, Africa. Each year, 12 midwives and four physicians deliver 10,000 babies. 12 midwives and four physicians. 
It is said that the largest academic institutions in the U.S. deliver approximately 10,000 babies per year, but they do it with a staff of midwives and OB specialists that number approximately 150. The maternal neonatal mortality uh, in Swaziland is 350 per 100,000. In the United States, it's 10 per 100,000. On any given day, you will find young and older women laboring silently, walking through the courtyard of the hospital, holding their abdomens and bracing their backs as they ride through the pain of active labor. Sloby, a 19-year-old, has been laboring for 10 hours with her first twin pregnancy. She is finally admitted and delivers a viable girl. The second twin presents with a hand. The OR in this small hospital that serves so many was not equipped to perform emergency sections. 11 hours of preparation resulted in a dead baby. Sloby awakened to find that only one baby had survived. I watched her hold her little one in her arms, then breastfed her without hesitation. In her native language, she thanked God for letting one live while accepting the death of her daughter as routine. This happens quite often in developing countries. I marveled, marveled at this woman's strength and courage in protecting the most vulnerable first as the second child was taken away, never forgetting the change within. My third and final story is about learning from the mouth of babes. Marion Wright Edelman wrote, we must not, in trying to think about how we can make a big difference, ignore the small daily differences we can make, which over time add up to big differences that we often cannot foresee. Sikalele, a 10-year-old orphan boy, worked in a rural village I visited on my first mission to Africa. Each morning he would come and knock on our cottage door to make sure that we had hot water, and that was truly a privilege. I can remember taking lots of cold showers. In the evenings upon returning from his one-hour walk to school, he would tell us about his day. I don't know if it was the daily stash of lollipops or the need to be acknowledged that drew him to our, our cottage twice daily. On our final day, he came and sat on our bed as I packed my suitcases for home. He had a puzzled look on his face. I asked if he had something to say. He said, Dr. Curley, you have packed four pairs of shoes. Why do you have so many pairs of shoes when you only have two feet? I looked down at his bare, dusty, calloused feet and thought, out of all the planning we had done for providing medical and surgical care for over 1,200 people, how could I have overlooked something so simple and essential as putting a pair of shoes on a child's feet who walks barefoot to school each day? I could only hug him, give him an extra stash of lollipops, and usher him on his way to get his, an early start in his homework. Sikalele's question, so simple yet so profound, I, a doctor, 
had no thoughtful answer to give him. Since that day, some 10 years ago, I leave Africa with one pair of shoes on my two feet. We make sure that 300 orphans we assist have at least one pair of shoes for their first day of school. I had, I had ignored the small daily differences a pair of shoes could make. This was huge, never forgetting the change within. These experiences have had a rippling effect in my professional practice of medicine. They, like the shoulders I stand on and you stand on, continue to move me down a journey that I am passionate about now as my first day of medical school and as excited about as on the day I graduated from the UC Davis School of Medicine. Madeline Albright wrote, but once you leave school, you will have to rely upon an inner compass in a world undergoing ceaseless and kaleidoscopic changes. I hope that you, the graduating class of 2009, will rely on your inner compass, one that has been fed and nurtured over the past four years by your faculty here at the School of Medicine. Marion Wright Edelman echoes the words of my heart when she writes, I am doing what I think I was put on earth to do, and I'm really grateful to have something that I am passionate about and that I think is profoundly important. In closing, I sincerely wish this for each and every one of you, the graduating class of 2009. Congratulations and never forget the change within. Thank you.